Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. This is episode 225. This week, we have another murder conviction overturned, one step closer to Minority Report, Mississippi still burning, two arms, the regulars are coming, digital dragnets, and independent legislature theory. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my partner this endeavor, writer, journalist, dog mom, and owner of the GeorgiaVirtue.com, Jessica Salaji. Howdy, Dave. How are you on this Independence Day? I am American. How are you? I am American. If you consider Florida to be America. Barely. Barely. Yeah, we just kind of dangle down there. Yeah, I mean, almost, almost like an appendage you could cut off. Like a superfluous state. Uh-huh. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure there's some people who would ax Florida if we could. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure right up to the point where they want to go to the beach and don't want to pay international travel. Correct. Yeah. You, you've seen our beaches. You've, play, you've played in our parks. Now go home. That, that, was a, that was a bumper sticker when I was a kid. When I was a kid. Nice. How long ago was that? When I was a kid? Mm-hmm. A long time ago. Or the TV's black been, and white? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we still use Telegraph. <laughs> Computers took up a whole room. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Rosie the Riveter was was still put up everywhere, encouraging women to get get to the workplace dur- during uh, the, the Great War. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's 30, 35 years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm getting old. I know. Not getting Am. It's okay. You're free. I am free. Free as America. If you want to call it that. Yeah. Georgia Supreme Court overturns a murder conviction again, this time of Atlanta lawyer Tex McEver. Yeah. Um I'm sure you're you remember this one? This is the one where he they had a he's he's very wealthy. Um and his wife was in the front seat. They had a driver. He was in the back seat. They were, I believe they were driving in Atlanta, but they were coming home from a party um, back in 2016. And he shot his wife through the back seat and she died at the hospital. And he was charged with um, felony murder and something else. Only the felony murder was overturned. Um, Influencing witnesses. Thank you. Um, and... Which, as an attorney, he should know better. Yeah. Yeah, he should. And he honestly, should. that charge may have stuck a little harder on him because he was an attorney. Like, Or he actually uh, did it. Or he actually did it. But uh, this, actually, this case actually made uh, big ripples in the gun community when it happened. Well, because he claimed he was, like, asleep. Do you remember? Yep. Well... All right, so this kind of blends a few things. And we're not, when we talk about any community, it doesn't matter if we're talking about women, gun people, uh, any particular race, there's no one community. You always have, you know, arguing with, within the community. The gun community was an argument of whether, because it is supposed that he'd been drinking, uh, coming back from a party, and they had a driver. Uh, whether or not you should you should even handle a firearm after you've been drinking. Uh, the other is about negligent discharge. That why why was this firearm in your hand while you were while you while you were sleeping? Mm-hmm. So so that was that was the big impact of this case on on the gun community as far as arguing with each other over. Um, you know, not having not having a beer and having a gun on you, because I think at the same time, this is when Georgia was was changing a lot of its concealed carry laws and taking taking the laws uh, about carrying in alcohol uh, serving establishments and, and all that out. So this is this was fairly fresh when the uh, uh, Tex McIver or McIver uh, case came out, because I think it was 2014 is when the, the actual shooting happened. He was convicted in 16. Is that right? Or is it 16 and 18? 
He, the shooting was in 16. He was indicted okay. in April 2017. Then he was re-indicted in August of 17. And then his trial was fairly long. It was March 5th to April 23rd, 2018. Yeah. And what it boils down to is he never denied shooting his wife. The prosecution put this theory out that he was either envious or wanted his his wife's money. He was a fairly high-profile attorney, a partner in his firm on his own, but she was a president of, of, of some company that owns other companies. I mean, she, she did very, very well. But the prosecution failed to give jurors a, an option for a lower charge because he never he, – he, he, he said, yes, I shot her. It was accidental. Right, right. So. And the jury, they, they didn't, I mean, he was initially indicted and then he was indicted again to include malice murder, felony murder, which is just that you were, you committed a felony and then somebody died in the course of that. And so you were therefore guilty of felony murder. But the jury declined to find him guilty of malice murder because I think they believed that, well, they obviously didn't find any intent. Right, so, so they took the lowest charge they had. Which was felony they, murder, which is nuts. Right. And again, this this goes back to the theme we've had on this show and the theme you've obviously had on the Georgia Virtue, which is overzealous prosecution and the problems it causes. Yeah, I mean, first of all, you know, I think something that people have a hard time coming to terms with, and we all have a hard time coming to terms with it if it's something that impacts us directly or we know the people who are impacted or whatever the case may be. But, you know, it it's not about always what they did. It's about what you have the evidence to prove in court. And I think prosecutors forget that with high profile cases. And, you know, he was a high profile person, just like in the Ross Harris case, you know, that was all eyes on Ross Harris. And so, you know, they stack the deck and they over indict to ensure they come out with something. And I just, I I hate that that's even allowed, but. Well, the jury instruction should have been you know, if you if you do not think it falls under felony murder, you have to acquit. Yes. And because if you recall in the Ashlyn Griffin self-defense murder trial here in Bullock, she was indicted on felony murder and aggravated assault. And they sent the jury back there with a form that included lessers to include felony murder involuntary manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter, and then aggravated assault, and then possession of a firearm during a felony. So she had, um, you know, all of these things. But I don't, in, the, in, in her case, they didn't find her guilty of voluntary manslaughter or involuntary manslaughter. But I was disgusted by that process because that's not what they spent all those days in court arguing. And the same is, I mean, while I understand why it was overturned because they should have included a lesser offense or the, if they requested it, because that's, I think it's up to the um, defense to request that, you know, like you said, it's, it's, are you guilty or are you not? Did they prove felony murder? No, they didn't. Okay. So it's not guilty. If that means there's not guilty on anything else. I mean, in a civil case, when they rule in one favor that they don't get to just say yes, but, well, this should throw out the possession of a firearm and commission of a felony. Because mm-hmm. uh, they, they did hit him with that. I think it was three three full charges. But the uh, in, att- attempting to influence uh, jurors uh, or influence uh, um, witnesses, that stuck. I'm sure he's going to get time served. He'll lose his law license. Well, if this just because this is overturned, like if they decide to, he won't get out if they just until they say they're not going to try him again. Like if they decide they're going to try him again, they're not. They'll, he'll sit there and wait. Well, that'd be tough. These Thanks. these cases that are that are at this point six years old, it's t- it's tough to reprosecute. He was indicted twice. The only thing that the prosecution probably has going for him is I don't know how much of his wealth is left. You're um, giving a lot of credit to prosecutors that is not necessarily due. Oh, that's I mean, true. I mean, we've seen cases that have gone back and forth for decades 
and they'll try him again just because they can't stand to say we didn't have the evidence for that. I mean, how old is the guy? I I don't remember how old he is, but it's not like he's 35 and is going to go out, remarry, live a a beautiful life and and start all over. I mean. And look, had they offered involuntary manslaughter, he probably would have taken it. Uh, You think? I mean, he said I did it. Yeah, had they, I did it and it was involuntary and they hit him with involuntary manslaughter, it'd have been done. It would save the state so much money. And look, I'm not saying that if there was evidence, if if you were going to kill your wife, if I I were going to cap my wife, it would not be in front of the damn driver. No. I... If I were going to and, pick a place to yeah, to murder my wife, it would not be in front of a witness. And I can't remember what gun was used, why he had the gun in his hand, what he was doing with it. I don't know if he was. Wasn't trying there some to- sort of like crime? Like and it's like it was like some allegations of there were there were some disturbances going on. I I feel like it was a self. He he claimed self defense because I think that also incited the gun community because. You know, whole finger on the trigger. Yeah, keep your booger hooger off the bang switch. Right. Uh, look, it's irresponsible gun gun handling, for damn sure. Uh, it's a tragic tragic case. His wife's dead. Sure. I yeah, mean, so, so, his so, so, wife, the woman he was married to and loved, is gone. Like I, I'm not saying that's a sufficient punishment, but like he still has to deal with that. Sure. And and that goes into accidents in general. There was a accident out here where a little more than toddler age kid got a hold of his dad's gun and uh, and accidentally shot himself and killed himself. <clears throat> uh, this is several years ago. I actually know some of the some of the some of the people involved. And we were kind of kicking around again in, in the gun community over whether the father should be charged with involuntary manslaughter for not properly securing his firearm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it came down to there is nothing the state could do, could do to him that's worse than what's already happened. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's absolutely nothing the state could do to him that that's worse. And it's one of those things where they just, they didn't arrest him. They didn't prosecute him. Uh, and I think that's the, one of the worst things about, I mean, I don't want our criminal justice system to run on emotion. I wanted to run on facts and evidence and the truth, but not without regard for other consequences. Like, no, I mean, should somebody just, and not necessarily in the example you gave, but just in general, like, you know, it's like the same going back to, again, I mentioning the Ashton Griffin, she, she has two children by the man she killed. So she, for the rest of her life, it's not like she can just like put it out of her mind and she can just, Go through some counseling and never talk about it again. For the rest of her life, she will look at those babies and know that their father's not here. Whether that is the right reason and it was the right decision, you know, all day long and twice on Sundays, I'll tell you, yes, it was. But it's still something she's going to have to deal with. And and I feel like the court system fails to and and like with that situation, you know, taking it away at the second parent from the children. Like we don't always think about the totality of it all. We just look at and, how and can we throw to, the book to Ashton Griffin. Uh, Tex uh, McIver had every advantage in the world. He's already an attorney. He knows what not to say. He knows how to talk to the police that uh, that evening, uh, opposed to uh, an abused girl without without you know bottomless resources to, to defend herself. Uh, it's inter- it's interesting. Uh, it's it, 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 but it's interesting. We've we've got two two in two weeks, and this kind of goes more towards the anti death penalty argument. Sure. We're, we're seeing we're seeing these what any other time in in American history, this would these would have been capital crimes. Well, in 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 Ross Harris's case, they did consider the death penalty. They ultimately chose not to pursue it for obvious reasons, but it was something that was on the table during the process. And, you know, in the last 
10 days, 15 days that these rulings have come out from the Supreme Court of Georgia, um, I think maybe, I think they've issued like fifth, between 12 and 15 opinions. A couple of them were civil. Um, several of them were murders. And, uh, you know, two were overturned. The other ones were not. So let's just say that it's on a safe side, let's say it's 10. Well, you're talking about 20% that were overturned because of something that the prosecution either did improperly or that the judge did not catch or there was some combination of the two or that law enforcement could have prevented on the front end by properly charging these people. I mean, the entire thing. And it's not, sure, it's easy to criticize them and and I think we should hold them accountable, but like, it's really more to speak of the system and the fact that because it is run by humans, it is so inherently flawed that we cannot put people to death. Yeah. And look, as far as Ashlyn Griffin goes with her, with her boyfriend, who's now deceased, dig him up and shoot him again. You know, I, I, I and I, yeah, we're not going to rehash that. We don't have time. That's that's such a you know hot button topic for me that abused woman did the right thing and defended herself. But anyway, moving on, we have Minority Report. Algorithm predicts a crime a crime a week in advance, but reveals bias in police response. We've talked about artificial intelligence in small little bits on the show, and I think by and large. I'm I've been opposed to them, like whether it's in law enforcement or, or anything else, um, just because I don't like an, the idea of a robotic world just for the same reasons that we just talked about, um, about, you know, totality of circumstances and, and of extenuating circumstances and the human side of things. Um, and this new tool that they're calling it um, is supposedly to, supposed to help deter crime. It has a 90 percent accuracy rate of predicting future crimes one week in advance. And basically what they're doing is they forecast crime by learning patterns in time and geographic locations based on previous public data on violent and property crimes. Um, And then they also like simultaneously in a parallel algorithm approach police response times to these crimes um, and how they how often they make arrests, how many, you know, the neighborhoods they're in, socioeconomic status. Basically, it's all data driven. Um, You know, there's a couple reasons I'm against it, but the reason it's making the news is because there are groups coming out in opposition to it because they're saying that the system, and I think we talked about something similar to this before, but the system is has displays a racial bias. The system well, being the program and the algorithm, not the system as in the justice system. Right. Well, a couple things about this algorithm. <clears throat> it has no regard for uh, geographic and political lines. It it take it, it splits things up into, into, into equal squ- equal squares, and I think it's a thousand meters or whatever it is squared, uh, and looks looks at the looks at it that way. So when I say political lines, you it may have maybe city of Atlanta, but it is uh, DeKalb County that, that has to re- uh, respond, or uh, it's in uh, zone zone six, but it's actually closer to an officer that was in, that was in zone four, but the zone, you know, they, they call zone six in, uh, as far as response times go. Also, when you talk about response times, if you're a police officer and you get, you get a call of a shooting and particularly in a bad neighborhood, you don't go in alone. So you may have to wait for, for another officer or a couple officers to show up before you go charging in to to an area that is known for violent crime by yourself. So those areas are going to have a longer response time because you you don't operate in those areas by yourself responding to responding to violent crime unlike a an alarm going off in Buckhead because somebody tried to snatch a, a Louis Vuitton bag off, off of a counter at uh at uh, at Phipps, mm-hmm. so the, the, 
garbage in, garbage out. This could be a useful tool, but when you take when you put political ideology into a, into a purely data driven tool, that's a problem. It doesn't. This doesn't show racial bias or show economic bias or anything else. It simply gives you the data that in uh, in zone. Well, zone six is actually is actually recovered, but. Uh, the response time in old Grant Park, Grant Park has now has now been gentrified, but Grant Park 15 years ago, mm-hmm. I guarantee you cops didn't roll in there by themselves. Well, and what's interesting, too, is, um, you know, the article is about it being instituted in Chicago, and they said that it had the model was performing just as well um, in Atlanta, Austin, Detroit, L.A., Philadelphia, Portland and San Francisco. The irony to me is that those are liberal cities that have elected liberal regimes to institute policing, of all things, in the way that certain demographics of people believe policing should be instituted. And as a result, they're saying that that's going to yield racial biases. Like, we've really gone full circle there. Right, especially when you look at yeah, who's in charge of these cities? You got Lori Lightfoot in Chicago, who she changes what she thinks of the the police from day to day. Uh, you got San Francisco, where the pro- prosecutors don't get don't get any bail with people who've been repeatedly uh, uh, released, arrested and released, arrested and released. Atlanta, who would like to go that way, the only people they want to hold without bail. Our police officers are in a justified shoot. Right. Uh, <clears throat> it's just data. Algorithms don't 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 give you anything but data. And if you were to adjust this algorithm to look by police district, like if you get, if you were to try to try to do this in New York, New York is so big, so vast, and you have an NYPD, but it's not one entity. You know, if if you're in Queens. You're not responding to a call in the Bronx. So there you could you could adjust the algorithm and and see how things turn out like that. Also, this doesn't account for well, obviously it's, it's doing week to week, but we have changing demographics within these neighborhoods. I just said that Grant Park has been gentrified. Mm-hmm. Like there was a time where you didn't go to Grant Park after, after dark. I mean, if right. you were at the if you were at the zoo. And it was starting to get to be five, six o'clock. It's like, all right, kids, let's go. No, yep. it was totally dangerous. Yeah, it, it, it is. When I when I went, I had a builder down there hire us to obviously do air conditioning, and uh, I told him he was nuts. I told him he was absolutely nuts for for uh, buying these these rundown houses and, and flipping them. Sure enough, mm-hmm. I was wrong. Well, some professor um, from University of Chicago said that, you know, this shouldn't be used to direct law enforcement and police departments shouldn't use the, the predictors to swarm neighborhoods proactively to prevent crime. Instead, they should use it in their toolbox of urban policies and policing strategies to address crime, which I also think is a really interesting suggestion because you're telling me that if this model suggests that on, you know, like in Statesboro this past week, on, I think, Saturday, Monday, and Wednesday, we had shootings. You're telling me that if some program said you're going to have shootings on Saturday, Monday, and Wednesday, and the police didn't do anything proactively to address that, that the community wouldn't be absolutely outraged that, oh, well, you had some sort of predictor tool. Why didn't you increase your enforcement there? Why didn't you increase your patrols? Why weren't you proactively, you know, talking to people? And please, they would be raising holy hell. Well, it's the same thing. Today's July 4th. We know that people go drink all day at a picnic, then stay for fireworks and drive home. We know that we're going to see drunks on the road from from five o'clock until midnight. We know this. So police departments across the country beef up patrols. 
uh, fire department put extra people on because they know it's fireworks season. It, uh, the ambulance companies put extra staff on because they know we're going to be responding to, to some accidents because we have this data. We, we you know, it does it predict how many how many to uh, to a single vehicle that we're going to have an accident on on Fourth of July? Of course not. But we have this data that says New Year's uh, New Year's morning between midnight and five a.m. We're going to have a bunch of drunks on the road. So what do we do? We, we increase patrols. It's simply using that data. Yeah, I That's, just don't know why we wouldn't. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why we wouldn't use the data, though. Like why we're suggesting, oh, well, just, you know, take it in, think about it, and then put it put it on the back burner. Like that's stu- that's some really stupid advice well, I think, right I there. I think it could certainly be used to adjust p- precincts. Is is we want we need we need to we need to change the the lines of of this precinct to include this neighborhood exclude this neighborhood give this one to a different precinct and and do it that way and then you can use this data in lots of ways but if it, uh, we've known for years that summertime increases violent crime known for years that mm-hmm. summertime increases crime there are a lot of theories on why. But we've we've seen this for we've seen this trend for years. So what what do you do? You you beef up, uh, you beef up on nights that you know were predicted it's going to be a hundred degrees now, uh, this day, this day, and this day. It tends to increase violent crime, irritability, whatever it is, because everybody should have air conditioning and be nice and cool inside. Um, but we 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 know this, so it's uh, it's in you know. You know, incumbent upon our leaders to you know, leaders within the community and leaders within, within these police departments and, and sheriff's offices to do to to respond to that to that and and make sure they have the staff on hand. So we have Mississippi burning, and no, this is not related to the to the, to the movie, but a team searching Mississippi courthouse basement for evidence about the lynching of black teenage teenager. Emmett Till, and he was 14. I mean, you talk about a young teenager, has found a, a, an unserved warrant charging a white woman in his 1955 kidnapping and relatives of the victim. Want the uh, authorities to finally arrest her nearly 70 years later. I'm sure most people have heard at least the name of Emmett Till. Um, you know, you're talking about 1955, and I think back in 2007, there was a DOJ probe where they tried to go back and retroactively look at this, and um, they they couldn't get anything out of it. There were no charges that came. But the Till was, he was, like you said, 14, and he had made, he was accused of making improper advances to a white woman at a, at a store in Mississippi, and his cousin, um, who was with him, said he, Emmett Till, whistled at the woman, and that was against the law um, for Mississippi at the time. Um, yeah, the, the, the woman who was supposedly who accused him, her husband was one of the ones who helped abduct and kill Emmett Till and dump him in a river. And she was listed on the warrant, of course. And so now they want her arrested. (sighs) To what end? She's in her 80s. And she's living in North Carolina now. Yeah, you're gonna you know, serve a warrant, have her extradited to to Mississippi, and then do what? You're you're gonna hold a grand jury trial on evidence to where there's almost no witnesses left. Well, and the district attorney um kind of shrugged it off to the DOJ and said, because I mean, 
they, they found this in the basement and it was one of those things, you know, if anyone has gone through old courthouses or seen old records rooms, like it's not like today where everyone has a file and it's by name, like stacks of records are just in boxes. Sometimes you're lucky if they're by the right year. Um, but they got, they got lucky and they found it. I doubt that I, well, I don't doubt. I have a hard time believing that the justice department, when they did their probe, they weren't privy to this type of information. Um, and, you know, the family of Till is saying, well, this is what we need to go ahead. And so the district attorney is like, well, actually, no, you know, the DA or the Justice Department said that there was no prosecution that was possible. So he's kind of deflecting back on 15 years ago. But, you know, with every year that a case passes for a million reasons, it's it's harder to prosecute and. What are you going to do? Right. This is this is bloodlust. I don't know how you prosecute it. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of money. I don't know what are you. The only way you could even possibly prosecute it is to is to is to get the get a perfect jury and do nothing but but. Pull, pull emotional strip because there's no, there's nobody left to, to prove her conspiracy or her complicity in, in this particular crime. She's not charged in the murder or wasn't even the warrant wasn't for the murder. Uh, I think the sheriff it was the for time, kidnapping, right? Yeah, it was for kidnapping. I, I don't even know if if uh, if it has if that would hit a statute of limitations. Probably not. Well, I don't know if it's one. Of, I mean, our, it's a seven one of the seven deadly sins in Georgia. So I. It, yeah, but, but it would have to apply to whatever the statute was 70 years ago or in 1955 in Mississippi. Which is probably the same for Mississippi because they're living in the... Right. I don't I don't know what you're going to accomplish. They would accomplish more with... If you really wanted to, to get revenge on her, is, is ruin her name, but... You're not, her name you're not, was out there before, you know? I mean, yeah, it, sure. she testified at the... Um, the Emmett Till murder case. I mean, she, she testified before. It's not like she's, she's never been a secret because, again, her husband was involved. And um, it's a horrible story. And it, it, speak, it, they, it they speaks to... They killed a 14-year-old child. ...over nothing. And it speaks to the racial place that our country was in then that, I mean, arguably, yes, some people still maintain. But... You know, again, going back to what you can prove in court, my question would be like, what evidence are you going to use to corroborate having a warrant for back then? Please. I mean, you can't you can't simultaneously make the argument that, we, you know, we had like such awful. Um, well, not awful. We had lacking advances and and a foresight in our criminal justice system and so we really should look hard and deep at cases from decades ago because we know better now while also saying well we found this warrant from 1950 1960 and so we should execute it today all these years later i mean you you just can't do that you can't you and be what? The, the extradition hearing would be would be epic. I mean, it yeah. it, it really would. The hearing itself would would be amazing if if she got a decent attorney, and then you know Mississippi sends their attorney to, uh, over and and make make their arguments. But yeah, again, this this woman was not much more more than a a, a child herself. She was she was a teenager. Now, I'm not excusing any action she may she may or may not have taken. I have no idea. The fact is, nobody has any idea. Everybody well, supposes- going back to who's going to corroborate it, I mean, you can't just use statements that were made a long time ago in court and and say that they are true when that person is not alive anymore to say yes, I said that. Or or they or or honestly, back in 1955, 1960, it was not uncommon particularly in the South, to, to get into a sweat box and be slapped around to, to get you to say what the police want you to say. Right. Which you is know. why we overturn so many cases from back then. And, and again, I'm not saying she is um, 
you know, completely free of any wrongdoing. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that what you can prove in court and the resources and, you know, sometimes it's really hard to come to terms with, but sometimes you have to come to terms with the fact that there is not because because even if even if this does happen, is that the justice that Emmett Till deserved? No. Look, she's a lot at her age. She's a lot closer to facing the ultimate judge than she is to facing a judge in Mississippi. Absolutely. And that's that's just a fact. I'm sorry. I, and I know Israel hunted uh, uh, Nazi war criminals into the 70s. Didn't matter how old they were. They were they were they were you know snatched up and taken taken back and held held for trial. I understand that. But there was a lot more documentation I think that went into that. But that was absolutely bloodlust too. Without a doubt, there was more documentation though. I mean, we're talking about official orders signed by people, um, official documents that recounted events. Um, yeah, people it's, flipping it's, it's on one. Another. I mean, it was a totally it was a totally different. It's not like, yeah, they weren't going through the Reichstag and found a, a document dated, you know, 1943 and go, OK, let's go get them on on this. That's not what happened. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what's going here is. It, now, look, the Emmett Till story needs to be told and we need to understand the history behind it. And it, kids and it should never happen it. again. It absolutely should never happen again. So but all of those are free of the other of, parts. Of it. Right. Of the criminal justice system. This is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone, not on the show or any respective company for which we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over at thegeorgiavirtue.com. In honor of Independence Day, a quarter of Americans open to taking arms against the government, one poll says. Totally underestimating because in this day and age, especially after the January twenty or January sixth stuff from twenty twenty one, I mean, there's plenty of people who would um, agree that the government should be that there should be a rise up against it. However, I will say this: the thing that I liked about the 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 most about the poll was that um, it talked about how many Americans agree that the government is corrupt and rigged against everyday people. Um, you know, the sooner people come to terms with that, I think. And that's across the political spectrum. Correct. That's a, that, now, this is a survey of 1,000 registered U.S. voters, which is a, a very small sample size. It is. It's, it's it was con- so, some of the polls that I see that are like, yeah, you know, they 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 talk to two hundred. We talked to fifty people coming out of Walmart, right? And they all but, they all agree the rent's too damn high. Um, I but so aside from the taking of armed part, because again, first of all, I think that people lie in 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 both directions. Um, but the poll found that forty nine percent of Americans concur that more and more they feel like a stranger in their own country. And that's not a diversity rooted question. That's a like, you know, we're, we have these polar extremes that are dominating the media, like we were talking about last week's show and dominating the issues and dominating the conversations and dominating the political offices. And then, Here's like most of us just here in the middle, like, well, you know, sometimes I hear you, sometimes I don't. Like, yeah. Of the 28% of voters who felt it might be soon necessary to take up arms against the government, 37% had guns in their homes, according to data. Also, I mean, so that means that what, 63% of them lost their guns in a boating accident? Let's I mean, who's going to tell the government they own guns? Yeah, I mean, exactly. But I'll guarantee you the 37% that do have enough to share. Uh, again, if this is a, a poll out of Chicago, I don't know. How, like, if you, took, if you took that poll in Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, Louisiana, the number would be a lot higher. Of course, we tried that once and it didn't go over well for us. Okay, but 
people lie about the guns in their homes. They do. Absolutely they do. As they should. Yeah. That's one of the things they're trying to get away, get away with is the universal uh, background checks and things like that is so they have a record of who has what. Because once you have a universal background check, there's a 4473 on every firearm transaction, whether because right now I can sell you a gun any day of the week, no paperwork. And I, I have done it plenty and I, I don't keep any paperwork on it. And just, you know, here you go. Here's what you wanted. You give me what I want. We're good to go. Shake hands and we're done. Right. But anyway, that's 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 a different subject. Not that today's not the day for it, but we don't have the time for it. But yeah, I, I think a quarter is low, and I certainly feel that 37% is low. But, too, you were talking about how it's across um, political ideologies and stuff. I mean, it was um, one-third Republicans, 35% independent voters, and 20% of Democrats agreed about taking up arms. Like, that's... An interesting breakdown. But it's all for different reasons. Absolutely. And that's and especially that's today. One week ago, the answers probably would have been, well, eight days ago. You know, before Roe v. Wade. Right. So absolutely. So it's totally different uh different reasons for saying the same thing. So there's no under undercurrent movement of people ready to overturn the government for the, for the same reasons. Is uh, it's going to be the Antifa folks that would overturn it and turn it into a communist country? You're going to have the uh, pro-abortion people that are, you know, full of nothing but hyperbole and putting on Handmaid's uh, Tale outfits and protesting. Uh, and then you're going to have the conservatives who think that we're being taxed too much and being forced to take care of other people and and wanting to overthrow the government. The, the, those three groups don't get along. Mm-hmm. So there is no. The, it, it would be similar to to Afghanistan, where we could all band together to overthrow the government. Then we would immediately start fighting each other. Sure. So it, it'd be we would turn into more of a more of a, a tribal community, and and, and may, maybe at some point we, the United States does break up in, into a confederation of states. That's quite possible. So, should the police be able to ask Google? That, uh, for the names of everyone who searched for an address. No. Well. What? Yeah. Well, the actual question is, but it's we, we talked about geo, not geocaching, but the, uh, the part where law enforcement would go in and go, I want to know everybody that was in this grid square at this time. Mm-hmm. And Google will hand that over to them. Or cell phone providers will hand that over to them. Well, is, the companies what, will only do that if there's been something already, like a shooting or a bombing or something. Um, the, the providers won't just do that because they, especially places or things like Apple. Um, so. Yeah, Apple does a pretty good job with, with security. You've got to come pretty hardcore. Uh, Adam, to to get something, to get a phone unlocked. An event has to have already occurred, too. Like, it's not just we're searching for low. It has to be like high, higher profile stuff. Well, this the this is this article is kind of uh, leaning towards the abortion thing that God, we're going to hear about this for next 50 years. In every Uh, context possible. So it was asking if police should should get the information of people who look up the address of an uh, of a abortion provider in a state where abortions are now illegal. Well, and this is kind of getting into my closing thought, but it's a I'll just go ahead and ruin it and bring it up now, but you know, there's been all this conversation about um having women delete their data from apps that track their cycles. Like there are lots of downloadable apps free and paid that you can enter your information and it, you know, does predictions for you. And it's just a way that you can, you know, whether you're trying to have a child or you're not trying to have a child, it's, there's an app for that. Um, And they're telling women not to put their information to delete all their data so that it can't be subpoenaed if you were to go and have um, an abortion out of state or in your state when it's strictly limited so that they can't, 
you know, I guess try to seek that information. I I don't know if they're thinking that there's going to be some sort of look looking into this stuff on the front end, like before you're given oh, one, or if you have. I don't I don't know. It's fear mongering. Well, so also say, delete it now, delete it now. Like, um, it's just fear mongering. So I agree that it's in the moment because it's not something that anyone ever worried about before. However, um, people have become far too comfortable putting all of their information into apps and maintaining everything in the cloud and electronically and maintain somewhere else where you really have like you give the rights to it to someone else and to other entities anyway. Um, so I mean I I don't really feel all that bad if you're if you're willing to to share the data and the company wants to share the data with law enforcement or somebody else that's on you. Should the police be able to ask you know the Google for the names of people who searched for stuff? I think that is a totally different conversation. I mean, I don't my search information Unless I am specifically suspected of committing a crime and, you know, you're investigating me personally. Yeah, you would have you would have a wild search history because you research stories. Yeah. And I do, too, because I'll get curious about something. I'll, I'll read something in the story and, and and go and look at it. Look, there, there was a suspicious package found Thursday last week outside of a... a Women's care clinic in this place doesn't perform in Johns Creek doesn't perform uh, abortions, but they 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 do pre-abortion, post-abortion care along with women's counseling and giving them their options. And there's this box at the door, and we live in this 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 uh, crazy society where they had to call in a suspicious, suspicious package. Can't talk, and all it was was. Baby clothes and cans of formula, and someone dropped it off because they knew it was it was a pregnancy resource center, and you know obviously it was just a donation, mm-hmm. but it stopped traffic. They cleared buildings. Like, I don't think the the, the next bombing is is, is going to come from the pro life people. I just don't. You just you just you just got to win. Why would you go and bomb places? I mean. That that doesn't make any sense, but we've so, got all this fear ginned up, right? But yeah, it's back back on back on this is no it's co- Google, Google should be handing over everybody who searched for Planned Parenthood. It's called a, a keyword warrant, and the K like I guess this one that. Um, is going to the courts for consideration and why this is coming up. I mean, obviously the articles that are coming out are tying it to stuff that people can relate to right this moment, but it comes from people V Seymour in which um, the police didn't have a suspect. So they used the keyword warrant to ask Google for identifying information on anyone and everyone who searched for variations on the home street address in the two weeks prior to the arson. And I'm sure there's people sitting there thinking, you know, well, if a a new pest control company Googled the address to go there, you know, if they had nothing to hide, then it should be no big deal. I hear you, but that's not the point. The point is that, first of all, law enforcement has an obligation to do their job without infringing on people's constitutional protections and, you know, not to mention that that keyword search, there's the same road name. This is, I believe, this case is in Colorado, and like four different cities in Colorado plus another three different states have the same road name. Think about if it was like MLK Drive. Right. There's an MLK Drive in every major city in every state, and you don't get to because because I do this all the time. I Google addresses all the time, obviously because I because I go from house to house to house. Plus I'll. Uh, uh, I'm still kind of halfway searching for another house and I'll, I'll Google address and, and stuff like that. So if a house on that street burns down, they're going to they're see, you know, Dave Roberts was doing it and then go into all my search history. No. Well, and what happens when you, what, like, where's the line of, <coughs> excuse me. Well, they have the authority to, if while investigating that they find a, 
you know, criminal activity or suspected criminal activity about something else completely unrelated? Are they going to go down that rabbit hole? And should they? Because they'd be like, oh, well, just like they do on the street. Well, in the course of this investigation, we also located all these drugs and found this prostitution ring and blah, blah, blah. Like, no. Because at least in the course of the other investigation and a search warrant and someone's house and things like that, you're actually doing things that you had the probable cause to suspect, you know? Here, you're just throwing a net out there, seeing what comes back, and then saying, look at our super-duper job. Right. You know, you're casting a very, very wide net. And look, I think some of this would go back to algorithms. There's no way that a police department by itself could go through all the people who search for this street. I mean, it, there's it, there's so much data, but what they'll, what they'll do is they'll 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 create an algorithm to go through, and then they'll find you know five or six people. It's like it's it's I don't know it, it's it, huge privacy concerns. It's not huge. a good idea, right? So it's not law enforcement's job to get involved. So you get a phone call and say, "Hey, we want we want to talk to you, Mister Smith." What? Uh, what were you doing on uh, on Main Street yesterday? And the wife goes, why were you on Main Street yesterday? But she called me and asked me why I was on Main Street yesterday. Like, I don't know. And it's none of your business. Yeah. But then again, I, I'm one of those crazy libertarian leaning people that, you know, I'm not going to talk to law enforcement without an attorney. Right. Anything outside of good morning, how you doing is Okay. All right, we need to get. I need to go ahead and stroke a check, check to my attorney. Well, right, so, arguably, you shouldn't talk to them even if you do have an attorney. But well, that's the, but that's what he's there for. No, that's not. No, no, I'm talking about the attorney. I know that's not why he's there. Ah, uh, don't talk to the cops. Make them make their case without you. Well, that's true. So, Supreme Court to hear a case on uh, Republican. Independent legislature theory that could radically reshape elections. You're talking about a political article. And as I was reading the article about it, you know, it's all about gerrymandering, which is something that every side complains about when they're not the ones gerrymandering. And it's something that libertarians and independents complain about all the time. Um, And I was just as I was going on and on, you know, they're talking about how gives favor to this person and that person. And the argument is always, well, you could never really find an independent um, body. You could never find an independent panel to make this because we all have biases. We all have political leanings. And I think I would agree with that. But I think that the this case here about what they're going to, what they're arguing is one of like the greatest arguments for eliminating political parties that exists. Yeah. <clears throat> so the the whole theory being nobody besides the state legislature has the authority to draw lines in federal elections. They have, they have complete control over federal elections. Mm-hmm. That the, the state Supreme Court cannot step in the governor really can't step in. It, it belongs to the legislature. Partisan, two-party legislature. Yes. And look, you could you could eliminate the Republicans and Democrats tomorrow. People are still going to group up by by what they what they think, what they agree with. Yes, but you complete if you eliminate political parties and you that just eliminates ballot access and that changes the game when it comes time for elections. Oh yeah. I don't think the state should be paying for primaries at all. Right. If, if the, if you want to have a party convention and and nominate your person to run fine, you do that privately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But anywho, as we're, as we're, as we're running late, but it, this is the same theory that, that, the, the the MAGA folks were trying to run with with the legislatures throwing out the election results and sending their own electors. And I think that's a stretch. We would still be in court if if uh, 
Georgia and Arizona did that in 2020. Yeah. I mean, our system, our founding fathers advised against political parties because they knew that such partisanship would be the demise and they weren't wrong. And it started tanking things almost as soon as they were instituted. Yes, but with president number two. Right. But there when is Adams and Jefferson started started uh, dividing the country based on uh, federalism and anti-federalism. And as soon as soon as that writing scathing opinions in, in newspapers and, and the fact that they didn't talk for years, uh, it started with president number two. But that's that's how long we lasted was eight years without without having uh, essentially a, a political division and having parties. But you will never have a system when, as long as you have parties and as long as the parties are in control of anything, but specifically the maps, it's always going to be a war, no matter what. I mean, the well, only reason that third parties and independents don't sue more is because half the time the secretaries of state rule that they have no standing. Right. Look, I, I, I'm with you on getting rid of uh, getting rid of parties. I would much rather see people discuss issues without saying, "Well, are you an R or a D?" You know, I don't, I don't, I certainly don't fit with the D's. And and on the R side, I am very far towards libertarian. You know, I call myself a republicanarian because it, the libertarians don't don't fit me. Republicans don't fit me. And if people actually looked at their core beliefs, they would find the same thing. Not not that the republicanarians, but that they're they're purple. They're not they're not they're not red. They're not blue. They've you know most people if they were to actually put away the the twenty four hour news and examine how how they feel about independent uh, ideas, they would really find out that they agree with with some Democrats on some stuff and some Republicans on some stuff, and they they would realize that the the whole division and and Judging people based on whether they have a, a a Biden or a Trump sticker on their car is is ridiculous. Right. Although if you put a Biden sticker on your car and you actually thought that that doddering old man was a good idea, I think you're an idiot. But I also understand the anger that people had with Trump. Uh-huh. No, it's I mean, it's just the Supreme Court. I don't. So, OK, let's say that they say it's not exclusive to the state legislatures. I mean, that's not going to make it any better. <laughs> no, no, it's not. But also the the usual suspects of, of on states' rights or state sovereignty uh, are going to, you know, have already expressed an openness to the idea. Was it? Yeah, th- so it, that may come down to a 5-4 because I... I Roberts may go with the with the dissenting opinion on it, although he's been he's been on with the with, with the majority lately. Yeah, you know six four six four six four. So Jessica, did you have any other closing thought as, as we're winding down? No, I I kind of tied it into the last story, so you go ahead. I don't have anything besides have a great Fourth of July. Be careful. It is what I call amateur night. So people who don't normally drink are drinking and playing with explosives. So, so be careful. Uh, anything you shoot up comes down. So if you're going to go out and, and uh, uh, blast a few in the air, use a shotgun or shoot it into the ground would be my advice. Lord. Look, man, I... I, I I live in a, in a lot less redneck county than I used to when I moved here, and I'm kind of sorry for it. But yeah, I, we used to hear gunshots all the time. It was it was great. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sound like Fallujah, but 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 uh, uh, hearing the rednecks out shooting guns off their back porch is fine with me. Remember, if you need to get dope for your dogs, you need, uh, uh, need to get that done, or do what you got to do to settle them down. So anyway, that's that stuff from my soapbox on Fourth of July. Have. Have a great one. For so for Eric Cumby. Eric, welcome back from your vacation. And, and thank you for editing the show. For Jessica Salaji, I'm Dave Roberts. Have a great week. Oh,
Catch me howling at the moon